Hello and welcome to We've Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. Uh, and we've seen a Chinese film today. A Chinese uh, 3D animated film that's been breaking box office records. Uh, it's made $700 million, well more than $700 million in China alone. Mm. Which is a record, according to Wikipedia, for uh, an animated film in a single market mm. to make that much money. Um, uh, I think that's, I mean, that is most of its worldwide gross as well. It's, it's not as known uh, outside of China, I think. Um, it's called Neja. Uh, Nejar being the uh, name of the main character and it's uh, actually a uh, Chinese mythological character and again this is according to Wikipedia the plot is loosely based on the classic novel Investiture of the Gods which is attributed to uh, Zhu Zhonglin uh, a Chinese writer from the 1500s mm. so this is, a, a, this, is, this is like the equivalent of I suppose um, uh, kind of Hollywood movies based on I don't know Robin Hood or kind of or, or mythological figures yes. um, or kind of fairy tale figures yes it's like the gods of Egypt or something like that right? yeah um, uh, I had a really bad time for the most part I liked the it. first uh, it's a couple of hours long and the first hour far inferior to the second hour where things picked up it's it's um, for me it was kind of like sub ice age kind of kind of fair really infantile puerile humour I liked um, it Really, for kids. I like not it. all that good looking. <laughs> um, I wasn't having a very good time, and obviously, this is, it's it's heavily based on uh, uh, kind of figures that I know nothing about. Yes. I you know, um, didn't know anything about Nejar or the rest of the cast of characters, mm. and I don't. And, uh, and uh, along with that, kind of, it has imagery. Which I do recognise, kind of the the kind of way that Chinese dragons are drawn, that sort of thing. But I'm not really familiar with their uh, kind of place in mm. sort of Chinese culture and that sort of thing. I, I don't know all that much about it. So obviously, I'm coming from a place of a lot of ignorance. So you learned something. Well, I don't know how much I learned because <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, there's obviously a reason that this is resonating so much in China. Put it yes. that way. I mean, I really liked it. You know, I liked uh, I liked the world it creates. There are some things that sound a bit crude to um, Western years, like you know that that form of talking that feels almost like aggressive shouting, right? And then you translate it, and it's like "sun, sit down" or something. But it feels like you know murders about to happen, <laughs> right? So um, there's that. There's a kind of humor that, you know, it feels like it's almost directed at a subliterate audience, right? Like, but that works nonetheless. It's full of fart jokes and things like that, right? It's kind of, it's crude, right? Some of the humor. Um, it's got one fag joke that the, the film keeps repeating, like, you know, that, I should clarify, fag joke, not fat joke. Yeah, fag joke. Yeah, it's said. kind of what they have is like this really huge, big, beefy giant, right? And then every time a monster appears, you know, he does like this girly yelp, right? So it's it's yeah. obviously like it's funny know, the first time. We both laughed the first time. Yeah, and then when it happens the fifth and sixth times, you go, this this needs to stop it. It's quite homophobic. Uh, so so there is that, right? Um, but that aside, 
uh, I really liked it. I kind of, you know, I I liked uh, the world that it creates. Um, I liked. I mean, the animation is not the most imaginative, but actually there was, you know, the, I mean, there was several of the fight scenes that I just thought were like wonderful. There is some quite striking imagery, yeah. and and most of that. I think comes along later on in the film, which mm. is where, as I say, I think it started to pick up. There's and there's a kind of huge fight sequence that finishes off the film, and you know it's, it must be sort of ten or fifteen, twenty minutes of a kind of continued and, and evolving fight um, that, that the film kind of climaxes with, which I enjoyed most of, and I think has some real excitement and kind of creativity in it. There are also one or two shots uh, on that beach where after they fought the uh, water demon. Yes. Um, when uh, let me get the characters' names. It's Najar and give me a moment. It's like I B or something like that. Uh, Najar and Al Bing. Oh, okay, Al Bing. Um, they meet uh, and then they play. Uh, it's, it's a Chinese game that's it's sort of a form of hacky sack. It's called um, Jianji. Mm. So it's sort of hacky sack, but played with a with a kind of shuttlecock type right. weighted uh, thing. They kick it back and forth and keep mm. it up. Um, and there's a shot of the two of them doing that. Uh, with the sunset in the background that was mm. quite beautiful I actually think that there are quite a lot of things that are quite beautiful because you know as the film progresses and you have fight scenes and so on the film uses very different kinds of animation right you know so sometimes like it just looks like a comic book a black and white kind of one dimensional comic book image right and so on I think I think it's quite inventive I think that might be overdoing it There's, I think what you're thinking of is when you see the painting and the ball going around like a pinball that's a couple of shots well, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, that the, the, they use different kinds of animation yeah, styles. Yeah, but there right? isn't a lot of. I mean, that was quite striking. But there is. I don't think there's. That that's not like a kind of foundational sort of imaginative thing in the film. It's well, mostly sort of similar looking. But I think the kind of use of smoke and use of colours and lightning and things are quite, uh, quite good looking. And I think also when, uh, uh, Najar becomes his kind of adult form mm. teenage form because he has this thing that keeps him as like a toddler or kid then he uh, occasionally kind of breaks out of that becomes his adult form when he does that and his hair kind of goes up and his eyes turn white and he's kind of surrounded by fire he looks he has a kind of uh, anime inflected yeah. look rather like Al Bing does who is always in that form yeah, yeah. So, and that's quite good fun and, yes and quite I like kind of, um, quite, I like that as well yeah uh, I mean the theme of the film is um, uh, very reductive and also kind of ideological so really there's a whole message here about you know uh, obeying your parents and sacrificing yourself for the family and you know and all that stuff um, but then ultimately not doing so it's, it, it, the message ultimately becomes about choosing your fate well and choosing who so, you are supposed to be yourself. well that's another strand yeah so I think it's true that there is that message about you know that you create your own fate which again you know um, is well, I suppose it's it's kind of banal, but it's interesting in a Chinese context. Well, it also struck me as quite an American message. Except, well, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, because there's a film you know, coming it's up. Banal in an American context, but interesting in a Chinese one. Right. So there's a <laughs> film coming up which we saw a trailer for the other day at the Mac. It's a live-action Chinese film. I don't remember the title of it. It's, but I remember saying, "Oh, this looks quite good." Mm. Think about um, a mother who has cancer, and it sounds like the the family decides not to tell her. It's a film with this uh, Aquafina in it, who was in um, the uh, <laughs> that Asian film we saw about the really rich Chinese people in Singapore. 
I can't remember. Do you remember that film? <laughs> I can't remember the name of the film, but basically... But I, I remember the film. Right, yeah. she was in that, Okavi was in that, and now she's in this mm. upcoming Chinese film, and she's a kind of American Chinese mm. character who obviously is kind of at odds with her parents. And, this, and there was a line just from the trailer that struck me, which was um, one of the older characters saying to her something like, your generation thinks it's all about you. You're far too selfish. Oh, yes, you have right. to live for the family in Chinese culture. Yeah. Something that's the difference between Western and Eastern culture. Yeah, and so that struck me just in the context of this, as the, the message of this seems very Western. Taken take in that context, live for yourself. Decide no, who you but, want to. But be. I don't think I don't think the message is live for yourself. And this is where I think you're conflating the two things. Okay. You know, so I think on the one hand, the message is saying you construct your own fate, but on the other hand, you know, the message of family. You know what? What's the thing about the runes? The reading of the runes, uh, the runes that protect people. You can use the a father. Rune. The father wants to use his. His no. He knows that his son is going to be killed the in father, three years by a lightning strike, and he's able with these runes, these kind of leaflet things. He sacrifices his own life for his child. Yeah, to take okay. the bolt for his son. That's right. And at the end, the son tears up the rune and basically decides to sacrifice himself. You know, for the greater good. So actually, that's quite a traditional message, and that's not unlike, mm. you know, what's important is the unit and the, you know, and the, well, the family and the larger social unit. It's not just about yourself, because, you know, he goes to die, right? Yeah. So, so those two things coexist in this film, I think, in in ways that are very interesting. Yeah, and that's certainly a way of looking at that. I mean, I I, I took that to some degree as, uh, I mean, that is kind of the both the, both of those themes melding actually quite um, organically because there's no way of taking it which is to say that he takes it on himself because that's his choice because if he were to obey his family there he would let his dad I know but I think that's the way ideology works it's it's your choice to sacrifice yourself for your family right it's still the theme is still you know the value is but is he doing it for his family or for himself is he taking it on because that he feels that's his I don't know well, you know, it's very explicit when he tears up the protection that his father has given him, which is basically his father giving up his life for him, you know, and tears it up, right? Kind of, you know, that's a selfless gesture, and that's a gesture of self-sacrifice. Now, you know, kind of, and, and you can see, I mean, one of the things that the film is very interesting is that, you know, both the demon and the virtuous, you know, dragon are both very attractive, except actually kind of, you know, the the demon child ends up being the hero of the story rather than the virtuous anime, yeah, Pearl, right? Yeah, so we should maybe just quickly actually say who these characters are. Mm. Um, the film starts off with this sort of prequel story from, from three years before most of the action where something called the Chaos Pearl is being... It, it has two halves... It's split into these two halves. One of them is a spirit pearl, which is a kind of good half. Mm. And the other is a, a demon pill, mm. which is a bad half. And these things kind of represent good and evil. And the, 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 the demon pill is red and is represented by fire, or kind of related to fire. And the spirit uh, pearl is blue and related to ice. Mm. Through one kind of mechanism or another, um, the demon pill ends up sort of being released and going into the unborn child of this, uh, are they like an emperor and empress, or they seem to be leaders? Or a, a lord, anyway. That's right. Um, um, and the child is born, and it's it's a demon, and this so entire instead, town is yeah, terrified so of instead it. of being, you know, this virtue reincarnated in this child, it's actually evil reincarnated in this child, because somebody has just 
stolen one pill and Jens left the other. Yeah. So and the spirit uh, pearl, on the other hand, is stolen by this quote unquote baddie, um, who takes it down to a kind of dragon lair where th- th- these th- these dragons have to stay underground as the jailers of a kind of evil a load of evil beings, right? And they mm. they clearly kind of resent this role, but that's what they do. And in order to ascend into heaven, kind of uh, vicariously, the leader of all these dragons infuses an egg of his yes. with the uh, spirit pearl. So the spirit pearl kind of is infused into a sort of bad child, a, de- a dragon child, becomes good, or has yeah. an essence of goodness. Yes. Uh, so that's a nice kind of parallel, right? Like- and Najar is the, is the demon child of a human. Yeah, so good people end up with a demon child you know, bad end up with like a virtuous child. That's yeah. the film is balancing these things kind of throughout. And I quite like the idea of the dragon people, or the dragon, well, yeah, people, I suppose, um, that they they're frustrated by um, our Bing's their child's uh, goodness. Mm. You know, they try and train us out of him. Yes, and they can't really. I quite like that sort of. There's there's just a relationship between them that I quite enjoyed. Yes. Uh, and actually, the other thing that's interesting is that, in a way, what changes the narrative is not just like individual will, but also friendship, right? So it's the friendship between these two boys that makes them do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do on their own. Yeah. So they meet on that beach um, after that. This this water demon has been uh, sort of vanquished, and they become friends. And then there's this reiteration throughout the rest of the film that I'm your only friend, and I'm your only friend, mm. and and they have they. they share a, a kind of intimate connection almost immediately um, which I felt by the point that all that action was happening towards the end was becoming kind of confused I think mm. it I seemed w- to me at yeah. least I was kind of losing track of exactly what everyone's motivations were mm. um, so for instance Al Bing who we've seen up until this point has kind of despite his parents and communities intentions for him and wishes for him um, does have this streak of goodness mm. that can't be overcome. So when he takes all this water up into the sky over this village where everybody lives and freezes it, intending to drop it onto the village and kill everybody, mm. th- you know the the question is sort of how much of that is him, how much of that is him listening to everyone around him. But it ne- it never becomes that I, explicit or clear. Well, for me it was in the sense that you know what he's doing is being filial. Right, he's got an obligation to his father and to his own community, mm. you know. So, um, and I forget what it was, but it was something that sparked the change, right? Because, you know, he's going to die anyway. Um, the demon child, right? He's fated to die. So, um, but anyway, I think there's a moment of choice there where you know the son decides to be filial, really, and then kind of that's overridden by the two realizing they're like two halves of the same coin and then holding hands in a battle, basically. Mm. Yeah, certainly Najar has an influence on our Bing. Najar is the one who declares that you don't have to be who everyone says you should be. You should choose your own fate. That's right. That's what changes our Bing's mind. Okay, there you go. Um, So, so, anyway, and for me, I think the test is... so. So I wasn't aware of this, but when the film finished, you know, I was beginning to walk out, and then Mike pointed out to me that you know there was an alert like "stay for." Yeah, know. the film comes up with a thing that says "don't leave." There's a mid, there's an end credit sequence. That's right. And then you see it, 
And then there's more credits and it goes, no, 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 don't you dare leave. There's yes. another one. <laughs> so all of this to say is that there will be a sequel. And then actually this sequel is going to be like part of the world, the world of this novel. You know? It certainly seems that they are building a kind of Marvel-esque universe. Exactly. As everyone is. So, and, and I think for me the test of the film is, would I go see those other films? And the answer is a quick, yes, I would. I, mean, I want to see them. Yeah. I do. Okay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. Really? I, I did like it more as it went on, but I still found it really pure and hard to watch for a good hour. You're just going to be stuck in this western rut. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Closed it, off. I don't know. It, it, in a way, it, it felt like a bad imitation of, of, of western crap. You know, for a oh, long I didn't time. think so. I think you know a lot of the ideas, were, like I said, were different. You know, the relationships were different. I mean, one of the things that... Um, it was really interesting and I need to think about more but you know the way that the villages were depicted was a real problem really mm. you know because they were all depicted as kind of you know as crude and ignorant and prone to violence and needing to be saved and controlled it's a real worrisome representation of the people or the crowd right you know, so as it relates to Najar, it makes sense, I think, because the idea is that they, they, he's been treated with nothing but fear his entire life, and everybody fears him. And actually, it's only in that scene on the beach where someone treats him with love and kind of, um, or at least not fear for the first time, and he's able to kind of open up emotionally to someone else. But on the other so, hand, he is terrorizing these people and destroying their homes. Well, I don't, well, I mean, <laughs> no, but I don't think it's quite that simple because you know they say right at the start, at, at, just as he's been born and kind of comes out and ignites for the first time and scares everybody. Um, you know, one of the characters says it's not his fault. He's a victim here. No, he didn't mean for this to happen to him. No one asked him. No one asked. Did he want to have a demon push into him? You know, so there is that element, but I mean, you are right. There is something also incarnately evil to him, yeah. Which is what this. But also, the price of saying it's not his fault; he's born this way. I mean, that's okay if you're not harming anyone. But he is—he's—he basically terrorizes the whole village for three whole years. I mean, you know, and yet, kind of, you what you're seeing in a way, or who you're asked to empathize, is kind of with him mm. rather than the village. You know, and I think there's something kind of. There's a way in which this film represents the masses, the crowd, the people that is iffy to mm. me. Yeah. The, the, te- the terrorization that he, um, upon which he bestows the village for three years, we don't really see, but we're told it's along the lines of bullying, basically. Kind of um, aggressive. But he, he seems to be like the town bully, as opposed to, you know. Um, well, I mean, that seems to be kind of what it is. And so you have that scene with the kids saying, let's get our own back on him. We've set up all these traps as to how we can catch him and be cruel to him. Mm. And they say, God, this, sounds, this sounds too cruel. Mm. And they say, well, he beats us up all the time. You know, uh, uh, any chance we have to, to, to be nasty to him will be as nasty as we can. Yes. Um, but it does, that, that does seem to be the sort of, it seems to be on like a, a human level of bullying. as uh, opposed to a Well, demonic. at that point in the film, yes. Though actually, I think there's something also interesting because... You know, the whole laugh in the film or whatever is actually when that when he turns the tables on them and everything that they've desired for him, they end up suffering. Mm. Which is, you know, a kind of you 
it's kind of unimaginable, I think, in an American film that you make, you know, the crowd, the police, the people, you know, pay for that. Or, you know, uh, so I, I think there's something kind of highly questionable there. But that's just at the beginning. Afterwards, he goes on to, like, tear entire villages apart. Right. Well, he, so, well <laughs> what you're talking about, when he, when he burns the village down, he's doing so in pursuit of that demon, that water demon. So he does so kind of carelessly, but I don't think um, actually uh, intentionally. No, but part of the lesson in the film that you get repeated all the time is, you know, that he's not conscious of any of that, mm. right? And the price of it is that these people lose their homes and, you know, the village yeah. gets destroyed or whatever, right? So, so, you know, whilst he's not setting out to do it, that is the end result of his actions. Yeah, but well, I think that there is a case to be made that the film is suggesting that, that she should be treated with more kindness or understanding, um, that he doesn't actually entirely know. I mean, he doesn't know that he's this demon thing. Well, he's been told he's the pearl. <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah, he has so, been told he's the other one. Uh, um, but, you know, so when he's playing um, when he's playing Jiangji right at the start with his mum, mm. who he says he never gets to play with, but, uh, she says, let's play this one time, and then it turns out he's so much more powerful than he knows, and he kind of kicks it to her, and it ends up, shooting her into a wall mm. and you know he's just he's kind of he doesn't know how destructive he is that's kind of the start of it um, mm. which which go, which then goes along to that thing with burning the village down it's it's you know a consequence of who he is and the way he is and it is accidental and unintentional and you're right that it hurts people but you're very sympathetic to him well I think that's fair enough so I don't know who he is Sorry? He doesn't know who he is. No, he doesn't know who he is. We know who he is. And actually, I think he's quite a fun character. And I really like, you know, that the hero of this animated film is someone, like, mischievous. Well, more than mischievous, kind of, you know, with a streak of <laughs> evil, right? Like, uh, and, yeah, and energy and so on. I think, uh, you know, the film, for me, it's very, very entertaining. It's often quite funny. Uh, and some of the animation is really, really good. I look forward to seeing more of it. Hmm. <laughs> is that it? Uh, well, that's it seems all like I I've said more good things about it than you have, and I really didn't like it. What do you mean? I mean, I find it incredibly boring. Well, I wasn't bored at all. Uh, I was laughing throughout, and I think so was the audience. So. You know, maybe caught you in a bad mood. No, it didn't catch me in a bad mood. I was looking, no, I was looking forward to it. I genuinely was. Because what happened was, we came out to see uh, The Lion King, uh, the 1994 one, because I noticed on Cinemal's website, it happened to be on us, oh, let's go and see it, let's go and see it. And you, very kindly, said, oh, fine. And then we went to it, <laughs> and it turned out it was actually the 2019 one, some problem with, with Cineworld's thing. So we didn't stick around for that. Um, and... Then we saw that Nejar was playing, which you'd mentioned not long ago. I would like to see that, and we never got around to it. Yes. So we went to see it, and I had been looking forward to it. You know, it's kind of big, popular Chinese animation. Sounded interesting. Well, yes, it sounded very interesting to me. But to be honest, I thought it was a live-action film, you know, because I've been saying for the last two or three weeks, so we must see this. And the only reason why is because, you know, it's very rare to have a Chinese film playing in the big chains here uh so you know that to me was a reason enough to see it um but also that i'd heard it was such a high grossing film mm. you know so all the you know all the more reason i think it was the most popular film in china last year or something the most popular chinese film in china 
Um, so, so, so I was keen to see it for those reasons. I didn't realize I was going to be animated, you know. And I thought of, it would be two D animated as opposed to three D. So right, that we, um, neither of our expectations were quite met. Yes, um, though I had a very good time. I must say, like I said, if you know, I'm, I, I look forward to seeing the rest of the sequel. So I think there's a lot of things that, at least to my mind, are quite questionable, and some of them are maybe attributable to cultural difference, and some of them are just questionable <laughs> you know uh but um yes i don't know i'm thinking why am i so willing to forgive the film's constant homophobic one note joke you know constantly relayed um and i suppose and i'm not sure really i think it has to do with like you know, the guy's used for a laugh. It doesn't feel mean-spirited, you know. Um, no. Though, you know... It's just immature. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is that kind of, you know, uh, uh, crude, um, you know, childish humor. Um, and, and, and that kind of... is not just with the fag jokes, but it's also with the fart jokes and... The use of the pig and the fat guy. Like, my God, you know, you can really go to town, you yeah. know, if you're easily offended on this film. And they're not all terrible. Like, one or two of those fart jokes were quite funny. Yes. You know, and there, were, there were times when, you know, um, you know, times when they did make me laugh. You know, when the guy farts and the other guy breathes it in, thinking that he's going to get one up and him actually breathes in his fart and, and kind of faints and vomits. Like, yeah. that was funny. There, um, like there are a lot yeah, of bits th- that are funny. Th- there, are, there are times when, um, but for the most part, I didn't like all that stuff. I liked the joke very early on, the crystal thing, the chaos stone, whatever it's called, where the two halves are joined together still at the mm. start, is kept inside this sort of lotus flower arrangement, mm. shield thing. Um, and for whatever reason, the character needs to open it. And in so doing, he has to kind of operate like a kind of touchscreen safe combination, like an Apple thing, actually. But uh, but, <laughs> he, but he, yeah, he talks. He kind of, he gets the thing wrong, and it flashes up red. And he goes, "Oh no, I've only got four tries left before it locks me out for ten hundred to ten years." <laughs> so you know that was quite good fun. And then he accesses it actually with his fingerprint instead. Yes, I quite like that. You know th- th- that was quite inventive. Um, and that and that had the, the, a ring of sort of some of those Disney jokes. Yeah, I, can't, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there are there are times when Disney does similar jokes where it sort of sort of combines the the fairy tale stuff with some modern reference and yes. makes sense of it. They had that thing going for it. You know, there were so there were there were jokes that really worked, mm. um, and there were kind of emotional beats that really worked. That scene on the beach, um, I enjoyed mm. it, on an emotional level. Like I fe- I felt, you know, kind of good for the characters, and I felt they're sort of finding each other and all that sort of thing I liked um, so it has its moments mm. and by the time it was getting into that huge final fight where things were kind of moving quite fluidly and there's all this stuff about like this ring that is around um, Nejar's neck that kind of restricts his powers and then he puts it on his wrist and so that kind of restricts his powers a bit less mm. and that's not something that's been set up beforehand that you know if I put it here then then that kind of gives me enough use of my powers without going crazy but it just kind of makes sense and you go with it because it's moving quite fluidly. I didn't mm. mind that sort of stuff. In the sequel, um, it'll be on his toes. 
and that's kind of, and I suppose that's something that I might ordinarily take against. I mean, it's the sort of thing that I took against when we saw it, Chapter Two, the other day. The mm. kind of the kind of immediately uh, uh, towards the end of the film, the bringing up a rule that is immediately put into action without any setup beforehand, just because it makes the film easier, sort of thing. Yeah, though I think it makes sense here. Well, yeah, it makes a certain amount of sense. Like I say, it kind of I kind of went with it. Mm. Um, but there is a bit of that. But but I I kind of felt like. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it was just something. I suppose it was also kind of quite chaotic and loud and bright at the end. I mean, it's, it's kind of overwhelming, kind of sens- sensually. Mm. Sensually, I like that. Sensorially, yeah. sensorially, yeah. Yeah. Um, which you know, I did kind of enjoy. Um, and I suppose it's the sort of thing that you might look down upon if it were a Marvel movie. Say, so you go, oh, it's just noise and stuff signifying nothing. Maybe it's the bigotry of low expectations. Going, you know, well, I'll let the Chinese one get away. Maybe that's the same with the, with the gay joke. You know, mm. I don't know. I just think it's a different kind of movie, really. So you know, yesterday we saw this really great movie, the kind of um, transit. This is yeah, transit that seemed to get richer and richer in your mind. And you know, as you talked about, the more you talked about it, the more richer it became. Really, um, this is not that kind of movie. <laughs> right, you know, so I think thematically it was really not very interesting. Um, I did find it funny. I did think the action sequences worked. Uh, it was, it's kind of an interesting insight into another culture. I'm very interested in seeing what, you know, China comes up with next in relation to animation, right? Kind of, you know, Asia has a whole history of animation. I was very interested, for example, to see like Hungarian names in the credit sequences that they. You know, they offshoot some of the work there. Um, I don't know. I'd be curious to find out if, you know, if, if there's some of that. Um, but this is a big budget, glossy, animated film that does not come from America. And I think that makes it inherently interesting to me. Mm. The uh, audience that you mentioned uh, enjoying the film, I think, it's, apart from us, seem to be primarily Chinese. Right. Um, uh, and... Uh, as you said, the film got good reactions. I mean, I didn't have the confidence to go up to any of them and say, and what did you think? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to do that. But you but see, that's um, something sad, really, that, well, uh, you know, that people are not more curious. Well, I was curious, but, but I wasn't. No, no, I don't mean you. I mean, the, the, you know, that the audiences in Birmingham are not curious enough to go oh, see a Chinese film that is like the highest grossing film of the year, and that it's an animated film. You would think that they would be interested, that there would be an interest there, mm. you know, just by virtue of what it is, you know. Well, to be fair, I mean, there's so many kind of Urdu and and, and Hindi films that uh, that go through Cineworld, and we've never seen one of them. You know, we never go. And we see should those. go. I I sometimes go. Yeah. Yeah. I never have. Uh, so, I mean, you know, kind of this is what the culture here offers that outside it's outside of the mainstream, you know, and it's kind of a look into another culture, and it's it's interesting. I went to see, so, you know, these releases are kind of obviously tied to population. There was also, I mean, there was a, maybe a year or two where two or three nights a week they would show a Polish film as well at Cineworld, and I saw some of those. Right. Um, though, my God, you know, kind of, they were abysmal. I mean, <laughs> um, but, you know, kind of something so, so huge, uh, I'm surprised that there isn't more of a curiosity. Celia and I went to see um, some Hindi films, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, she was very interested in, in Bollywood, wasn't she? Uh, so, um, um, 
so it's just kind of surprising that there were so few people there, really, that, you know, that people are not more curious. And, you know, just off the top of my head, I wonder if it's a Brexit thing as well. You know, there's this shutting down of things, um, you know, and kind of, you know, a lack of curiosity about the rest of the world. And even, you know, a kind of... Um, so, a, a lack of curiosity about other places in themselves and a lack of curiosity even in terms of how those places view us <laughs> here. So, I think... Uh, well, anyway, I'm just talking out loud. I'm thinking out loud. Maybe, maybe it has something to do with that. Maybe it's something else. But it was very marked that there were... Uh, you know, we were the only uh, uh, non people of color. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I um, to talk about it as a quote unquote Brexit thing is probably um, implies the wrong sort of causal relationship. It's like it's not not because of Brexit that people are interested in exploring other cultures. It's the fact that people aren't interested in sport interested in exploring other cultures in this country, and that leads to a bit of a Brexit mentality. It's a loop, yeah. isn't it? Mm. You know. Um, uh, we we don't, you know, just generally speaking, in this country, we don't engage with with. Um, no, I mean it's very difficult to see foreign language cinema here as is, you know, um, and and yeah, uh, we can uh, we can go overboard with that. Like there are places. I mean, we, we, I mean, in the last two days, we've seen two foreign language films. It's just not it's comparable. I mean, you know, I went to a cinema in Madrid, you know, um, and I've been to Buenos Aires this summer and so on. You know, and you go to the art cinema there, they're, they're showing Chinese films and Polish films and Spanish films and, mm. you know, and British films. And, you know, so the range is just not comparable. We see we have very little on offer. Right? Well, that's fair enough, but it's uh, still and not and, and, and it's and possible. In, in terms, you know, if you just see like, I mean, we've done what, 169 podcasts or something, right? This will be 170th. Okay, so this will be our 170th. It would be interesting to see. What percentage of them is non-British UK? Shall I? Well, non-British and American. Yeah. Shall I look? Because we because I can get the list up. Yeah. Okay. Get the I list will, up. I will do a little tally. Shall I do every single one we've done, or just uh, the new releases? No, go through the whole thing. I mean, we were talking about, you know, in the context of 170 films, how many have we? Right, you sure. know, how many are foreign? Okay. So. Okay. The, so 23, 13.53. So that's twenty three films out of a, or twenty three podcasts out of one hundred and seventy podcasts, including this one, mm. makes it a percentage of thirteen and a half. Yes, which percent, is a very poor show, which is not good enough. And over the next couple of months, we will will improve that a little bit because mm. of everything that I've booked to see at the Mac and the Electric. Mm. Though not everything is current, you know. So like Ring, mm. um, the Blue Pearl, is Blue it? Angel, Blue Angel. Sorry, um, uh, you know our, our not current releases they're being brought back. Um, but, um, yeah, you're right. It's, something, it's always something to k- kind of keep in mind. Well, I mean, my concern really is, you know, like, um, I talk to my friends elsewhere, you know, and they really do have a common film culture. It's like, you know, the films that are nominated or are up for the award at Cannes or, you know, Venice or the Havana Film Festival or, you know, there's like these major film festivals around the world. And at the end of it, comes a body of maybe like 15 or 20 films from all the rest of the world, right? Mm. And almost by virtue of, you know, being chosen, they are normally like kind of very, very interesting, right? I mean, it is like, you know, because if you get one German film, it's like, 
you know, amongst the top two or three German films of the year. Or, mm. Yeah. Mm. So, and it's just surprising that, like, we do so little of them. So, you know, again, kind of, you know, uh, so few of them make it here, right? So I, I don't want it to be just, like, me self-flagellating. You know, it's not, it's not just our fault. There is very little on offer in Birmingham that is foreign. And, you know, uh, very little that... Uh, you know, they cover the major film festivals, so you normally get the Cannes film winner, you know, but you won't get the winner of, like, you know, San Sebastian or Lebanon or something, right? They do, they do make it here. It's not like there's nothing on offer, and it is possible to see more than I think we do, and we should. But, so I think some self-flagellation is in order. Um, but you're right that we don't have the same culture uh, of showing uh, uh, non-native films or, or non-American films as other countries do around yes. Europe. Well, that, South America. I think that was my point, and yeah. I, it, it was brought back to me very uh, quickly because I went to the Golden Cinema, you know, and you know the offering was just so so impressive. You know, there was a film, there was a, the new Ceylon film from Turkey, you know, which was wonderful. You know, there was um, a Chinese uh, uh, noir, you know, which was just like you know fascinating. And what you find is that, you know, you end up going to the cinema, like in these foreign countries, to see things that really would, like, you know, a little while back would have just been shown as a matter of course here, that still make it to London, mm. right? Like, you could see these things if you're in London, mm. you know, but that actually don't really travel in the rest of the country. So, kind of, you know, uh, platforms like Mubi become a kind of a lifesaver in that sense. You know, but they tend to show kind of particular films uh, as well. I mean, it's, it's they show just, strands and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and it's very well curated. But you know, if you want to catch, like, I don't know, let's say there was a uh, an international critics poll of the best, you know, the best twenty films of you know the last year. Well, only two or three of them would have been American. You know, and it's quite logical, right? Like, you know, it's the rest of the world, right? You know, so so it kind of bothers me that we don't get more of an opportunity to see them. Yeah, because mm. that was not always the case. If you see, uh, um, you know, programs of what was showing in the West End in the seventies, it would have been full of foreign films. Mm. You know, so so yeah, I think the culture uh, has gotten narrower. The, to to be fair, there are other places to see it. Like there are platforms. So if you include like the BFI platforms and so on maybe it's easier to see these films than it ever was, right? But they're not at a cinema. Yeah, that's the one thing about Mubi. Like, it's fantastic, the Mubi. It, it is the best streaming service mm. for a cinephile. It has the, the best uh, you know, kind of range, and it is curated in an intelligent way and offers really interesting stuff, but it's not a cinema. Yes. And I always want to see something at the cinema if I possibly can. I think I'm going to agree. Which is why when films like, even films that like Fight Club or The Lion King from 94, which we thought we were going to see today, when they come round, you know, which are not kind of the greatest art films, but I would like to see them at the cinema, mm. you know, because that's such a, such a different experience to watching them on a telly, mm. you know. Um, uh, oh, and just quickly while we're still here, uh, the, the film I was thinking of earlier with Orkafina was Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. Which we spoke about, which we quite liked. And uh, the film that's upcoming, which I want to see, is The Farewell. Right. Uh, which we got a trailer for at the Mac, like I say, yesterday, and looked yeah. really, really good. Yeah. Um, so, looking forward to that. 
All right. Uh, well, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on... SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube to listen to. Uh, on social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. At eavesdropmovies is the handle. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Right now, thank you very much for listening. Cheerio. Cheerio. <laughs>